Welcome to the Future of Medicine podcast, where we believe that feeling great and living a long time is possible and that your health care should help you get there. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel. My hope is simple, that this show will help you along your journey to becoming the healthiest, strongest, and most powerful version of you possible. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Future of Medicine podcast. I am your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel, and I am joined, as always, by the lovely and talented Jen Justice. Hey, Doc. Hey. We made it. We made it. Look at us. Look at us. We are in our brand new office space, <laughs> so which cool. happens to have a brand new, beautiful podcast room. Yeah. And so um, I hope it makes our podcast even better. Mm-hmm. I think it will. <laughs> it'll make us smarter Uh, maybe not maybe not (laughs) um this episode is um all about diet um i say that but we talk about diet all the time i think this is more of a diet update and i'd like to really focus our energy on talking about the way that we believe most humans most of the time um should be thinking about eating so that they could live their longest best life defined as a long time with high levels of health and in order to do that you have to delay chronic disease at all costs primarily metabolic disease which leads to cancer heart disease dementia those kinds of things and we strongly believe that a fasted lifestyle whatever that might mean for the individual is the underpinning of how as a human we should be thinking about structuring our meal plan yes don't you agree yeah and the, the good thing is is that a lot of our new members coming in i mean our existing members we've kind of coached up sure. on intermittent fasting but i feel like there's so much content and you know good and bad but there's uh, buzzwords around it that most people initially know what it is or in mm-hmm. some fashion they may just need a little help with the details but that's inspiring and encouraging to me that more people are adopting that yeah it it, it very much is Um, and anybody who's listened to our content I mean this is probably the fourth year in a row that we do an annual update Mm -hmm. and and fasting is a part of it what's interesting is I I do have some new thoughts about it and and I hope to share um, just as an update here I'll I'll start by saying what is fasting yeah and I and I think fasting um, the way I define it is greater than 12 hours of not consuming any calories Mm -hmm. what makes it intermittent fasting is that you you do eat from time to time, which does break the fast. Um, the thing that uh, I think the primary change year over year for me is I'm less excited about longer fasting beyond 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So w- our conversation today really is focused on not eating at least 12 hours every 24, mm-hmm. but not going beyond 24. Yeah. Um, and I think, number one, that does a couple things. Number one, it, 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 it allows time for us to consider these longer three- to five-day fasts and really the, the, the benefits versus risks, be more thoughtful about that. But I think it eliminates a lot of the overwhelm and fear that some people might have towards taking on fasting and exploring mm-hmm. it because it's like, gosh, I don't know that I ever even, even if it was good for me, I don't know that I want to do three to five days. Yeah. So that kind of like start before you even start stop before you even start mm-hmm. um so i would say 12 hours at least no more than 24 um 
I don't have hard, hard science on this, but it does seem to be that most thought leaders in this space think that maximum benefit is around that 16 and 8 split, yeah. which means in 24 hours you consume, you begin and stop consuming calories all within eight hours. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's interesting to me. Um, the primary concern we have for longer fasting beyond 24 hours, I mean, it's all over the news, it's everywhere. There's some real concern with l loss of lean mass, mm -hmm. we call sarcopenia, where yeah. we lose lean muscle. And what we do know long term is that a life with delayed metabolic disease is a life that's rooted in adequate and optimal lean mass. Mm -hmm. And so it's a not so fast, yeah. I think. Isn't that what you would say that too? <coughs> yeah, I don't know who said it, and I wish I could credit them, but one of the uh, sayings I've heard in the past is muscle is the currency of health. Mm. And I really I love that yeah, because that it, not heard it that. puts that concept forward in my brain when I'm thinking about my nutrition, when I'm thinking about my workouts, when I'm just kind of thinking about my lifestyle in general is how can I build more muscle because I'm 50, I'll be 53 <laughs> in April. How can I build more muscle and how can I keep the muscle that I have? So I feel like, yeah, what you just said is, is so true. Yeah, I've, I've, not had such great language, but I do like that. Mm -hmm. I've always just said, you know, we're the human experience is, is based on a musculoskeletal infrastructure mm -hmm. and like how could your muscles and bones not be a critical component of optimal health. Right. And, and 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 so I think there's just a lot of attention and it makes me happy on lean muscle. Mm -hmm. It it is I think Culturally, we can very easily become obsessed with weight. Mm -hmm. And the Wenzelism around here is weight is a theory. Mm -hmm. You know, the more you weigh, theoretically, the less healthy you are. The less you weigh, theoretically, the healthier you're getting, but not so fast. Right. If you're losing muscle, short-term metrics might make you feel good. But once you stop doing the behaviors that are leading to the short-term metrics, you now progress in your life with less lean mass than you started with, which is very dangerous. Yeah. Um, so that's super interesting. I think one of the primary benefits of fasting, um, there are, there are so many, and we've talked at length about them, but it's, it, it, um, it eliminates a couple things right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Um, it eliminates complexity mm -hmm. in your decision-making, uh, through the day. You eliminate a third of your food related decision-making through the day. And we only have the ability to make so many good decisions in a day. So I think def it's a great hedge against decision fatigue, mm -hmm. and we're all being challenged to make more decisions. Um, and so that's a good thing. It also singularly removes one third of the opportunity of you sitting down consuming things, um, which net results in your ability to control total volume in a much more precise way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just useful. Mm -hmm. um, the other, the, I guess the, the, the last major thing is that it gives you 12 to 16 hours every 24 to, I don't want to say heal yourself, but just let your body do its own biology mm -hmm. and your own biochemistry work through the imperfections of your behaviors. It kind of covers the multitude of little sins mm -hmm. through the day mm -hmm. um, with enough time, your body kind of sorts it out. It's what we're designed to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's it. 
it's just a super easy framework, yeah. right? To, to, to control for decision fatigue and to control for total volume and caloric consumption. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I'm interested in, in coaching people to minimize overwhelm. Yeah. What's been some of your big takeaways this year on that? On I, I agree. I think um, for a lot of our members who are busy entrepreneurs, they're busy business owners, you know, moms of those business owners that have families. It's so yes. uh, easy to kind of get tied up in the minutia of what to eat, when to eat, you know, all of that. And it, it just eliminates a third, like you said, of that decision making, which makes it super easy. Um, for most people, it's as easy as just skipping breakfast if we're mm -hmm. going to get tactical about it. Yeah, get quick tactics. You don't need like to overthink it, but just, yep. you know, I come from a breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Mm -hmm. kind of grew up Me in the too. late 70s and 80s and um, the grape nuts. I'm know, not quite that old. Grape nuts kid, thanks. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you're getting there, though. I know. Um, but, um, you know, just you got to eat as soon as you get up. Yeah. You know, and. For a lot of people that I talk to, interestingly enough, they're not hungry first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like they'll want their coffee um, or, you know, maybe want to get in a workout, but they're not hungry until later on in the day, which really works to their advantage because then when they are hungry, they're going to be ready to eat and their body's going to be ready to mm -hmm. accept that. So for most people, skipping breakfast is the option that they'll choose. Now, we do have a, a few people that I know I've worked with that they prefer to s actually skip supper mm -hmm. which is interesting to me mm -hmm. and i tend to be one of those people you know i would would rather eat breakfast and have lunch oh really and i didn't know that skip supper because i tend to eat supper early anyway and so I, yep. I would want to sleep through the hungriest part of my fast i think mm. <laughs> um so I, i've done that on on occasion before um but really what you want to do is focus on the bookends of that you, mm -hmm. you don't want to skip lunch and eat breakfast and supper because that's not going to give you enough time in that fast it doesn't window. give you a fasted window yeah that we're looking and for. i do hear people say that a lot well i skipped lunch well but you're, you're not giving your body enough time to reset as you were just explaining so um and this is really rooted in keeping your blood sugar and insulin level stable and low when you're not eating yes so you're going to obviously have that rise when you do eventually eat which is normal but um, we want to delay that as much as possible. So if you do skip lunch, you know, your body's going to take, what, about two to four hours to kind of process breakfast, have that blood sugar and insulin mm -hmm. rise. And then you're going to go, you know, a few hours in a fasted state and then um, eat supper. It's not enough. Yeah, so I mean, maybe. Yep, maybe. Yep, we're going to talk right. about <laughs> snacking a little bit later. Yeah. But, um, again, you, the more at-bats you take mm -hmm. with making decisions around food, the more you have to hit the ball. Yeah. And and I just find, and my experience tells me, personally and with our members, that minimizing the at-bats mm -hmm. increases the probability of making great contact yeah. and achieving the goals that you're trying to um, to achieve yeah. through diet. The second section is um, what we're going to talk about uh, in, in this update is really focusing on Let's call it giving protein its due, mm -hmm. making an intentional prioritization of protein intake on top of a fasted lifestyle. Um, I think, you know, there are three macronutrients, right? Proteins, fats, and carbs. We all know this. 
And none of them are good, bad, right, or wrong. They just are. Mm -hmm. And we're omnivores and we have the ability to survive eating all of them. Um, but for the most part, if our goal is to delay uh, chronic metabolic disease, mm -hmm. which we would define as being rooted in insulin resistance, then eating in a way that kept blood sugar as stable as possible for as long as possible is is the grail yeah and because with blood sugar elevated insulin is released and once insulin is on the scene we are mapping towards metabolic disease yes and so while we could choose to eat anything because we are omnivores. It does create this dilemma often referred to as the omnivore dilemma. If you can eat anything, what do you eat? And the answer is it depends. It depends on what your goals are. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of if your goal is to live a long time and delay chronic disease, our belief is that if you, out of the three macronutrients, if you prioritized your protein intake during your meal time, there are several massive benefits by doing so. We walk through some of what those are, what some of the recommendations are, and um, you know what that looks like. Well, ideally, um, for women, we usually recommend about is it sixty grams of protein per day. Well, f for the super and nerds, again, it it's, depends. It's point five yeah. to one gram per ideal kilogram of body weight. Mm -hmm. So it it's a lot of math. It's a lot of math. If we say the average woman is 120 to 130 pounds, and that would be the average ideal body weight for the average woman, then rough math says 60. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but again, that's just to maintain, right? So yeah. Talk about that uh, a little bit between <coughs> maintaining lean mass and this effort to like grow lean mm -hmm. mass. Um, for for me personally, I probably started out at about 60, just by happenstance. 60 grams. 60 grams mm -hmm. of protein per day. I'm up, at, I'm at 145 right now. Come on. So wow. I, and that, I had to really work at getting You've that. You've been working I remember on telling my trainer, I can't get 100 grams of protein in a day. And he was like, why? You know, I, I don't understand that. All you have to do is do this and this. And he kind of made a little, some tweaks, but um, it just seemed like so much protein. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, I could eat you know more if I really wanted to mm -hmm. but I kind of think of it for me personally like um, my I look at every meal how protein forward is this mm -hmm. so when I am ready to eat I eat lunch I make it protein forward so you know lean chicken on a salad or um, uh, hard-boiled eggs you know something like that um, but I have it pretty planned out to where and I track it in my fitness pal which is an app but mm -hmm. I have it pretty planned out what I noticed personally for me is that when I started strength training and really focused on that and when I increased my protein over time number one my workouts got better so mm -hmm. I could lift heavier number two interestingly enough my weight stabilized to where I was weighing the same over the course of probably three to six months but my clothes were falling mm -hmm. off because I was losing your composition was uh, my changing. body comp was changing mm -hmm. so I really had to let go of that diet mentality of the scale and that was hard that was another yeah. transition I had to yeah. make but just by doing that little tweak of increasing protein and not really focusing on any of the other macronutrients uh, helped a lot the other benefit of it is um, satiety 
So I know an, al- an, anal- an analogy that you like to make is uh, like at a Mexican restaurant because everybody loves I mean <laughs> tacos. Yeah. Um, you know, they put the basket of chips down in front of you and you can eat like two baskets. I mean, they're limitless. Yeah. You could just continue to eat them. But if they were to put like a 32-ounce steak in front of you, you would probably only eat you could only a so third much. of it um, because that protein is so satiating and takes a little longer for, for, I think, your body to break down as well and digest. Yes, um, satiating defined as there's an off switch. Yeah. Your brain eventually says, I'm done here. Yeah. Very difficult with fried, salted, simple carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. I haven't found an off switch. The off switch is usually abdominal pain yeah, and discomfort because <laughs> right, exactly. you've just overshot the mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. For men, uh, just to back up on that, 100 grams of protein mm-hmm. per, um, for, for a man would um, maintain, right? Yeah, yeah. minimums uh, for minimum. maintenance. Yeah. If you had ambitious, lean muscle gaining um, goals, that might even need to be up 50%, potentially even double, mm-hmm. uh, depending on what you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, but this sheds a whole new light on, like, if we're saying lean mass is underrated and we need to be thinking about this in a way that where we can eat and move our bodies to create the largest amount of sustainable lean mass possible i think it takes a lot of the religion out of dieting Mm -hmm. and puts it more appropriately on the long-term goal which is i want to live a long time and feel really good and preserve optimal health as long as possible yeah I don't know, but for me personally, it's a lot more freeing to mm-hmm. think about what I put in my mouth when I understand that this will either get me closer or further away to my long-term goals, which I'm very connected with. Yeah. Um, what about snacking? I know a lot of our <coughs> members ask about that because I think one of the maybe misnomers about protein is where your body can only absorb so much at one sitting. Like, Well, specifically around protein, I, I think – I don't have this fully settled yet. There are some people who I admire a lot who talk a lot about um, there's a diminishing return on protein intake at one serving. Mm -hmm. In other words, your body only has the ability to absorb so much protein at any given time. um, And eating all 100 grams of protein in one meal would be better suited to space that out over. And I'm not totally all the way through transparently i'm not totally all the way through that science yeah i understand that that there are a number of people who hold that position Mm -hmm. and if we were only talking about should we chunk down our 100 to 150 grams of protein into two or three meals and that was the only thing we had to manage as humans uh and that was the only thing that we were struggling with then i would say let's start there Mm -hmm. the the challenge i find is that if I tell someone I need you to chunk your protein down into three or four meals through the day, what often gets heard is I need to eat three or four meals a day. Yeah. And it isn't always protein that's going in their mouth. Right. And so, again, it's complex, but not really. Mm-hmm. And so taking protein intake aside as a separate, unique conversation, I think it would be very interesting to think about and experiment chunking down your protein intakes over the course of your feeding window right. as opposed to all in one sitting or in two sittings. That's interesting to me. I, 
I'll just speak for myself. I don't, I have, I have a life that is really structured where I don't need to use a lot of my discipline because frankly, I don't have a ton. Yeah. I have like (laughs) standard issue discipline. I just live in a life where I don't have to use it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I'd probably fail miserably. Yeah. I'm not sure I would trust myself to say, Aaron, I need you to eat four times a day and get your protein in because four times a day would turn into, well, there's donuts and then there's like chips and then like, well, maybe I can have some snacks and then some this and that. And and then I end up just grazing. Give yourself permission. Yeah. It's a very slippery slope for me personally. Right. And as someone who gets hired to help people think about their future, when I explore this with them, many people identify with that same kind of fear. Mm -hmm. And so I find it safer to just eliminate snacking yeah um if there's some diminishing return on your 100 grams of protein in two meals as opposed it would be more ideal to do four i'd rather minimize the upside of the protein optimization um than have to manage all of the potential fatigue and consequences of poor decision making while i'm eating all through the day yeah that's just me right um, and I would encourage people to think about it that way mm-hmm. if it makes sense for them. Um, we're just, we're designed to go long periods of time under physical strain and load and then eat once or twice a day. Mm-hmm. That's just from from the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. You know, eating three meals a day plus snacks is completely a 19 post 1950s mass agriculture world of abundance um first world um problem yeah right and i just think the more at bats you have having to make decisions around food the 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 more you increase the probability of making slightly less than ideal decisions which then create bigger downstream problems yeah i agree and then you layer in the multi-billion dollar with a B um, food industry mm-hmm. who is incentivized to sell you things that are snacky. Yeah. With whatever headline, fat-free, whole grain, like whatever the buzzword is, mm-hmm. doesn't Heart matter. Heart healthy. Heart healthy. <laughs> Most people aren't equipped to discern and fact check. Yeah. And... These are big, big companies mm-hmm. that have shareholders to answer to, and their their motive is not health. Their motive is to sell more things. Yeah. So you have that, and then you have the food. You have the big pharmaceutical industry where they serve their role, but their their interest again is to shareholders mm-hmm. and 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 selling m- more pharmaceuticals that treat the diseases that are being fueled by metabolic disease. It doesn't take a ton of work to see the interconnectedness of this. And, and I just think, and again, back to like, fasting is so great because it just eliminates all the noise and yeah. it tends to get really quiet mm-hmm. when you just, I only eat twice a day. This is the window and I don't snack. Yeah. Like, and I give a, pr- a priority to protein first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are v- subtle but very significant shifts that are absolute multipliers of effort and energy and time and resources yeah um i think the last section um after prioritizing protein prioritize real over not real 
<laughs> food. Right. Um, as a general saying, if it, if it wasn't food 100 years ago, it's not food, Jen. Mm-hmm. I will say, as a caveat, I'm not anti all processed foods. I'm just pro prioritization of real food. Yes. I don't think it should be a, rep- I don't think fake food should be a replacement for real food. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Mm-hmm. There might be some cases, and you and I have been in these situations with these severely diseased, severely obese, where we need a hostile takeover and we are f- sprinting towards a massive bad outcome. Yeah. And we need to turn this thing around fast. Mm-hmm. It can be a useful tool mm-hmm. in that scenario. But, and it can be useful to augment protein intake if you just can't get the protein in. But as a general thesis, I always prefer some more farm to table mm-hmm. than factory to table. Yeah. Like it just, I th- and I think for most people that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it takes a little more effort, but it's so worth it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a convenience girl. I love mm-hmm. convenience foods, however, I feel so much better when I don't consume much of those. And I do utilize protein shakes, but in a way where I can get my protein in, in certain situations. Like I will consume one after a strength training workout. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's pretty much it. I don't live on them, which is. And as someone who lives side by side most of the day, five days a week to you, I, you, you do consume some protein shakes, but I will. They are almost always when you get back from your workout. Yeah. But you almost only eat real food, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a tool that yeah. you're using, but you're not building your diet around protein shakes. Yeah. No. Um. Tie all this together, Jen, for the for the listener who who maybe is is like a light bulb is going off. Like, can can you tie all this together about? fasting protein real food in a way that is actionable and um, n- not overwhelming for, for someone who's listening just give them a couple of things to, to do or just summarize everything we've talked about today I think in summary you know eating in a way and, and this is something I've had to wrap my head around around fasting is uh, number one you can use it for weight loss mm-hmm. but if you're goal is primarily for weight loss um, I would encourage you to shift that into more of a longevity thinking pattern where the the root of the chronic conditions that we're trying to delay revolve around your metabolic health mm-hmm. and we're talking about your brain your heart your cancer risk I mean th- those are big deals mm-hmm. and so f- you know making sure that you look at it that way that you know, this is for the long, I, I'm playing the long game around fasting. Yeah. This is not something I'm going to do to get into the dress Some for hack. the cruise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Even it though can be. it can be. Right. And sh- not judging, but, you know, maybe. But when you make that the priority, dri- the primary driver. Yeah. I think that's where it can go sideways. Yeah. Um, but controlling, you know, and we've talked about this before with what you eat. And we've touched on what you eat in this podcast, but when you eat. Start with when you eat. Mm-hmm. If you make one change, just start with when you eat. That's a good reminder. Pick a meal that you're going to delay, whether it be your first meal of the day, breaking your fast, or you choose to end the day without eating. Well said. 
you know, choose that first mm -hmm. and don't get caught up in overthinking this. Mm -hmm. It's it's not meant to be overthought. It's meant to be easy. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much noise and so much. The problem with the diet culture is that they make it harder than it has to be. You know, I, I count my macros. Absolutely, I do because I want to control my carbohydrates right now. I want to get an adequate amount of protein. I don't really focus too much on fat, but I kind of like that. I make it a game of like, how mm -hmm. can I, you know, and I, and I want to make sure I'm hitting my targets every day. So for me, what I don't measure doesn't get managed. And so I, I like tracking my food in an app. I like, you know, doing that for me personally. I've had a lot of success doing that. Um, so, and I've seen great results doing that. But for the average person, start with skipping breakfast. Yeah. Or break your fast with lunch, you know. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the first meal of the day. We're not, like you've said, we're not really meant to eat all throughout the day. And then cut out a snack here or there. You know, just start with a little step and see how you mm -hmm. feel after that. And then you can really tune it in and hone it in and do some more advanced things with it. But, you know, cut out the processed foods in your diet. See, really take an audit of like, you know, maybe two weekdays and a weekend of what you're eating. Mm -hmm. And just write it down in a notebook. And then look at it and say, oh, gosh, you know, there was snackable cookies there or, you know, a frozen pizza that night or whatever, whatever. And notice how you feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But really, again, playing the l – everybody's on a diet, right? We, we use this word diet kind of loosely with weight loss. Mm -hmm. But everybody has a diet. It just depends on high quality, how high quality it is, you know, what it – is it serving you? Yeah, I um – And your goals. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Um, I, I think that's a great place to wrap this up. Um, I, it's, this is, is the reason we talk about this every year. Yeah. And um, even if we didn't say anything that was life-changing for, for you as you're listening, I think it's a good reminder. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we believe in this very deeply, and we think it's one of the pillars. How you feed your body is one of the health pillars mm -hmm. you know how you feed it how you move it how you recover these things just matter and as long as you're on this planet they're going to matter yeah your goals may change uh your situation and details might change and you might need to that's why the answer almost always for you it depends yeah but right. as a general thesis a fasted lifestyle is a superpower yeah um that can take any shape or form that you need it to based on your unique situation and goals. Mm -hmm. But we couldn't be more encouraging to have people explore that for themselves. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. I want to thank you so much for your attention. Listen, I don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to me. You can find out more about today's episode at brentwoodmd.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, all the related links to this episode, and tons of other resources. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you've already subscribed, then it would mean so much to me if you left a review. If you think we'd be a good fit to work together or you would just simply like to know more about the concierge services that I provide my private clients, email us at membership at brentwoodmd.com. And now for the obligatory disclaimer, this podcast is for general information only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or the giving of medical advice as no doctor-patient relationship has been formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
Users should seek the advice of their own medical professional providers.